millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Of course you have a dictatorship in Cuba. What I said is what Barack Obama said, that Cuba made progress on education. Yes, I think. Really? Really? Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm Mehdi Hassan. They all went after Bernie Sanders last night at the Democratic debate in South Carolina. But did they knock him out? I'm I'm hearing my name mentioned a little bit tonight. (laughs) I I wonder why. On today's special post-debate edition of the show, I'll ask writer, activist and Sanders surrogate Sean King, who also had some strong words about Michael Bloomberg getting a pass again last night on the issue of spying on Muslims. It was painful to see him on that debate stage not be confronted for that. It was a debate in which the moderators lost control and asked awful questions, in which Michael Bloomberg dodged answering any tough questions, in which the rest of the candidates talked over one another when they weren't all attacking Bernie Sanders. But here's the thing. History was made because on U.S. foreign policy, we heard a candidate say things that we've never heard a U.S. presidential candidate say on the debate stage before. Bernie Sanders' analysis is right. The difference is I don't like his solutions. I don't believe that a government takeover of large parts of the economy makes any sense. I fought the big banks, I built the coalitions, and I won. I dug in, I did the work, and then Bernie's team trashed me for it. Bernie voted five times against the Brady Bill. I'm not saying he's responsible for the nine deaths, but that man would not have been able to get that weapon with the waiting period had been what I suggest until you are cleared. Vladimir Putin thinks that Donald Trump should be president of the United States, and that's why Russia is helping you get elected so you'll lose to him. Last week in Nevada, former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg made his debut on the Democratic debate stage and bore the brunt of most of the attacks. Last night in South Carolina, though, the crosshairs were firmly on Bernie Sanders as each and every one of his opponents tried to tear a strip out of the frontrunner in their very first answers. Because that's what Bernie Sanders is right now. Believe it or not, the Democratic Socialist from Vermont is the frontrunner in the race for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. And it clearly drives some of his more right-wing rivals up the wall. Here was Mayor Pete last night attacking Senator Sanders for his left-wing policies, which Buttigieg claimed would cost Democrats the White House and control of Congress. I'll tell you exactly what it adds up to. It adds up to four more years of Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, and the inability to get the Senate into Democratic hands. But I'm not sure these attacks on Bernie did that much damage, nor did the boos from the crowd. Perhaps the first time Sanders has been booed on a Democratic presidential stage. And it can't be a coincidence, can it, that the tickets apparently weren't open to the general public, but were available to wealthy Democratic donors who were willing to fork out between $1,750 and $3,200 per ticket. Not your average Bernie voter, perhaps. Elizabeth Warren, meanwhile, didn't hold back 
yet again in her attacks on Mayor Bloomberg. There was this remarkable exchange where she called him out on his record on women, pregnant women who worked for him, with a very specific and shocking example. When I was 21 years old, I got my first job as a special education teacher. I loved that job. And by the end of the first year, I was visibly pregnant. The principal wished me luck and gave my job to someone else. At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it. The way that I Mayor Bloomberg never alleged said that. have said to one of oh, his on. pregnant employees. People want a chance that to hear. There's that seemingly pro-Bloomberg booing again from the audience. Weird, right? Still, the highlight of the night for me, and I'm sure for millions watching on TV and online and around the world too, was when Bernie Sanders did something no major presidential candidate has ever done before in my lifetime, or in anyone's lifetime, frankly. No, not his call for Medicare for All, not his attack on billionaires, but his demand for some basic honesty when it comes to discussions about US foreign policy. Occasionally, it might be good idea to be honest about American foreign policy. And that includes the fact that America has overthrown governments all over the world, in Chile, in Guatemala, in Iran. Did you hear that? A candidate for president of the United States mentioning just how bad U.S. foreign policy has been for so many people across the developing world, for so many victims of U.S.-led regime change wars and CIA-backed coups. It's the kind of stuff you might have heard on this show before from, say, a Noam Chomsky, who happens to be an old friend of Bernie Sanders, by the way, but not from an actual presidential candidate on an actual presidential debate stage. By the way, that was Sanders responding to red-baiting from the moderators and from Joe Biden and Michael Bloomberg when they all tried to suggest he was some sort of Fidel Castro apologist. That was his response, which was such a breath of fresh air. Whatever you think about his candidacy. Oh, and if that wasn't enough to have you cheering at your television screens last night, well, Bernie wasn't done. The man who now has a very good chance of becoming the first Jewish president in American history, when asked a ridiculous question by the CBS moderators, which seemed to suggest he was some sort of self-hating Jew for refusing to go to the APAC conference next week, because breaking news, APAC provides a pro-occupation platform to far-right bigots and Islamophobes, Bernie called the Prime Minister of Israel a racist and then demanded rights for the Palestinians. What would you say to American Jews who might be concerned you're not, from their perspective, supportive enough of Israel, and specifically, sir, would you move the U.S. Embassy back to Tel Aviv? Let me just, the answer is, it's something that we would take into consideration. Which would but here, well, excuse me, but here is the point. I am very proud of being Jewish. I actually lived in Israel for some months. But what I happen to believe is that right now, sadly, tragically, in Israel, through Bibi Netanyahu, you have a reactionary racist who is now running that country. And I happen to believe, I happen to believe that what our foreign policy in the Mideast should be about is absolutely protecting the independence and security of Israel. But you cannot ignore the suffering of the Palestinian people. We have got to have a policy that reaches out to the Palestinians and the Americans. And in answer to your question, that will come within the context 
of bringing nations together in the Mideast. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If Bernie Sanders becomes president, he'll have a greater and perhaps more radical impact on U.S. foreign policy than he will on U.S. domestic policy. And you can get as worked up as you like about comments he made years ago about literacy rates improving in Cuba under Fidel Castro. But the fact is that right now he's the only candidate on that stage who goes out of his way to bring up the Palestinian struggle for freedom and human rights. And whether he wins or loses this presidential race, he has already shifted the Democratic Party's positioning on this issue. And kudos to him for that. So where does Bernie Sanders, the front runner, go from here? How much did the attacks on him last night hurt his campaign for the presidency? And what kind of night did Michael Bloomberg and Joe Biden have? To discuss all of this and more, I'm joined by Sean King, the writer and activist behind the relaunch of the North Star newspaper and host of the podcast, The Breakdown. He's also a surrogate for the Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential campaign, and he joins me now from Brooklyn. Sean, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, man. Glad to talk to you. That debate last night was a bit of a shit show, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was hard to watch. And uh, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Bernie Sanders. And, you know, right away they started piling on Bernie. But it wasn't just that. It was just a, it was just a mess from start to finish. I mean, it was poorly moderated. The candidates talking over each other. And uh, I saw the same thing online of people just saying, like, yeah, this is a mess. And so... Yeah. I think it's bad for the Democratic Party, probably ultimately still good for Bernie because no candidate was really able to stand out in that debate. And when he's the front runner, if yeah. you can't break out, it benefits him. Yeah, he wins by default, I guess, because he didn't win based on his performance. It wasn't his strongest performance. He didn't have a lot of uh, clap lines uh, in that sense compared to previous debates. Uh, Tommy Vita uh, of Pod Save the World, friend of this show, uh, said that uh, this debate put the BS in CBS, which I thought was a, <laughs> an apt description. Yeah, yeah, it was it was peculiar. Yeah, Faze Shacker, who's the campaign manager for Bernie Sanders, he went out of his way to say it was poorly moderated. And I'm sure a lot of campaigns, a lot of candidates campaigns will be saying that and CBS will probably have to do some kind of post-mortem one thing that came up uh, online was people pointing out news stories uh, from South Carolina suggesting that to be in the audience last night uh, you had to have spent around $1,750 $1,750 up to $3,200 to get a ticket because it wasn't open to the general public you had the local Democratic Party was basically giving out tickets to sponsors and special guests do you think that explains uh, some of the uh, huge applause that Michael Bloomberg got compared to last week and some of the booze that Bernie Sanders got? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it was it was peculiar where people would applaud even bad things that Mike Bloomberg said, like they would <laughs> they would they would cheer for stuff that it, it wasn't even like an appropriate time to cheer. It it, it was a weird audience. And, and I think that definitely you know worked against Bernie because. Uh, it, it didn't seem like everyday people were really there. They kind of sold the tickets to the highest bidder. So from the audience to the moderation, I, I don't think any candidate is going to come out of that debate feeling good about it. it. It was a mess from start to finish. 
just on um, in terms of people clapping and one person who did get a lot of applause who's been leading in the polls consistently in South Carolina def- despite dropping nationally despite uh, doing really really badly in Iowa and New Hampshire uh, is former Vice President Joe Biden um, last night he seemed to have more energy than normal he was very worked up he was jabbing he had some attack lines ready did he have his Red Bull <laughs> that's funny man you know he did seem like he had a few red bulls like his eyes were like even my kids my kids and family watched the debate with me and they just thought he was like alert uh on on a weird way and i think a couple things were at play there you know i posted a video yesterday as well showing him two nights ago at yes. a dinner in charleston where he just said he was running for the united states senate and then he said if you don't vote for me, you can vote for the other Biden. Yes. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other Biden. Give me a look, though, okay? And so I, and that video, wow. video kind of trended across the country and got millions of views just in a few hours. And so I think he felt the pressure to show that he was alert and capable. And in his defense... Uh, I thought he was more alert than than normal, more than I even expected him to be. So it was no, I I, you know. I agree with that. Although I I saw someone, um, a former State Department official, saying this is a good night for Biden. It's one of his strong nights. Uh, he hasn't been kind of he hasn't been doing any gaffes or saying any mad stuff, which is kind of how we talk about Trump. He's almost graded on a curve. Yeah, the bar is so low. He didn't say anything demented, so therefore he had a good night. Right, I mean, and. That is kind of the bar for for Joe Biden, that if he doesn't make a complete fool of himself, he gets high grades. And so, I mean, that that was kind of the thing, although he did say that he didn't write the crime bill and, uh, you know, and nobody was there to push back against it. Like he, uh, Tom Steyer said, you wrote the crime bill and he just looked Tom Steyer right in the face and said, no, I didn't. And it's like that would have been a great moment for one of the moderators to say, Actually, sir, not only did you write it, but yeah. you defended it for years on end, and uh, it, it was Indeed. just yeah, it was it was it was peculiar though. But here's the thing, Sean. I gave up on debate moderators, TV debate moderators, back in 2016, if not before. I mean, they tend not to ask tough questions. Um, they don't do follow-ups. They hide behind the kind of agreed rules that they've uh, set with the DNC. But what about the other candidates on stage? What's frustrated me over the last uh, six, seven months of watching these Democratic debates is that the candidates really don't go after one another. I mean, we, you know, we on, you know, we watch these debates and we highlight the lines where they do. But in general, uh, they're actually not that tough on each other with the exception of perhaps Elizabeth Warren even Bernie Sanders when he goes after Joe Biden he always prefaces it with he's my friend and gives him a hug Um, Michael Bloomberg last week in Nevada got hammered which is why last week's debate really did stand out to a lot of people because it was the first time we saw you know proper attacks on a candidate and a candidate's record Um, but even last night as you say when Biden flatly tells a lie no one calls him out on it Michael Bloomberg carried on telling multiple lies he talked about you know he was the guy who cut down stop and frisk no it wasn't it was a court ruling uh, that cut down the rate of stop and frisk on his watch and he said and he, and he said it cut it down by 95 percent, which also is a complete fabrication he he continues to say it was never cut down by 95 percent in his administration and he just continues to just throw these things out there and but would you accept even as a bernie supporter that it's elizabeth warren who stands out when it comes to taking on kind of the bloombergian and even the biden-esque untruths yeah you know i think bernie's mo in the debates is to always advance his agenda mm. and 
So e- even though many of us would love for, for Bernie to look any of the candidates in the face and kind of just squarely tell them about themselves, he did call uh, Bloomberg out a few times, but it's really not yes. his style. I mean, Bernie has kind of a tried and true method of just continuing to speak about his agenda and his policies. And so even though a lot of us would love for him to be able to kind of look Biden in the face or Bloomberg in the face and really tell them about himself, that's just not really his M.O. And so you can almost predict in every debate exactly how Bernie is going to do. You know he's going to speak about Medicare for all. You know he'll call out different types of bigotry around the world. You know, last night he did a few things that I thought were unique and profound. He called out uh, the overthrow of foreign government, foreign governments yes. by the United States. I don't know that I've ever heard that in a presidential debate. Like, you know, agreed. He, it was it was historic. It was historic. It, yeah, it was so. He'll have moments like that where he says something about the overthrow of foreign governments by the American government. He'll have moments like that. He'll have. Moments where he called out the bigotry and racism of the Israeli government and Benjamin Netanyahu. He'll be the only person on stage to do that. But he he generally just won't have confrontational moments. I also think he's kind of taking the persona of the front runner of just saying, hey, I'm in first. I'm going to promote my ideas and policies. You all can attack me, but I'm just going to continue to do what, what works for me. Hmm. The problem with that, of course, and there is a logic to that, but the, the downside to that argument, of course, is everybody who's become a front runner took hits and then wasn't a front runner. Whether it was Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren had her moment in the sun. And I guess if people are supporters of Bernie Sanders, they might be worrying, you know what, when he's attacked as this apologist for dictators or Fidel Castro, should he come out stronger? Last night, he mentioned how, well, you know, I'm only saying what Obama was saying. He pointed out rightly that Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That Michael Bloomberg is an actual supporter of a communist party, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, but Bloomberg thinks that Xi Jinping is not a dictator. And, and Bernie said that, but it was a, it was, it was a reluctant uh, attack, uh, which he offered in defense of himself. And I just wonder whether if he took a more Warren-esque stance where Elizabeth Warren was just blasting Bloomberg all night long for a second it's debate just, running. It's just not how he does it. And, I, you know, I, I think they each have their style. I actually thought Elizabeth Warren was was masterful last week in the debate as well. I thought she took him on. I thought it was deeply impactful the way she confronted Michael Bloomberg. Last night, though, was just such a mess in general. That's true. Any time you try to take on somebody, 
Everybody just spoke over each other. The moderators really weren't able to intervene. And so even Elizabeth Warren really didn't have any gotcha moments that I think she hoped to have. I, I feel like in a lot of ways she needed to kind of either duplicate or improve upon her last performance for her to break out. There was that great moment where she did remind everyone that Michael Bloomberg was funding Republican Senate mm-hmm. campaigns as recently as 2016. That was strong. Uh, which, I, which I've which i long argued is one of the strongest uh, cases against Bloomberg. He then dodged it. He was not asked by the moderator to deal with that point. He, there were many moments last night where Bloomberg managed to dodge having to answer a straight question about his record. Um, and then sometimes he didn't even get asked about his record he got asked about sugary drinks and trans fats when he was mayor of new york but you know he didn't get asked again about spying on muslims while he was mayor of new york because apparently muslims have less value in u.s political and media discourse than sugary drinks and trans fats oh it's true man it was it, it was painful to see him on that debate stage not be confronted for that but not just there it just in the mainstream media in general on that issue of just the gross level of surveillance of Muslims all over New York City, he's never been held to account for that. Yep. And I do I think I think you're right. As painful as it is to say, Muslims in America are not treated as uh, a priority citizens when it comes to basic human rights and dignity. And so Michael Bloomberg is just not being held responsible for a lot of aspects of his time as mayor. You know, I will say I thought he performed better in this debate. Like his his performance was so bad. I mean, he, I mean, he yeah. couldn't perform any worse, could he, Sean? Right. Last week was such a car crash yeah. that he obviously came along prepped. But then he actually had the nerve to claim last night that he won last week's debate, which is a kind of classic kind of billionaire billionaire tactic. Just to- I was so <laughs> confused by it. I even had to go back and look at it again when he said. I I didn't know if he was trying to tell a joke that he had rehearsed and it just fell flat. (laughs) But when he said that he won the last debate, it was like, I think he meant to be joking, I guess. But it it was it was a weird moment. Uh, I'm surprised they show up because I would have thought after I did such a good job in beating them last week that they'd be a little bit afraid to do that. (laughs) Well, the, the weirdest moment or perhaps the most revealing moment is when he said that he had helped fund, rightly, and he's right about this, he had helped fund the House Democratic blue wave in the 2018 midterms. He had helped Nancy Pelosi take back the House by funding a lot of uh, Democratic candidates. But then he referred to having, he said he bought them, and then he corrects himself (laughs) and says he he funded them. All of the new Democrats that came in, put Nancy Pelosi in charge, and gave the Congress the ability to control this president, I I, I got them. There's a great, I mean, talk about Freudian slips. There's a billionaire saying, I bought politicians. Yeah, I mean, my whole family, again, my wife and kids were watching the debate with me, and we all heard it and, like, went crazy. We're like, he just slipped up and said he bought the Congress. <laughs> like, he, and, and he said it. And, you know, I, I immediately wrote on, on Twitter, like, did you all hear what I just heard? And I think it was a, it's how we view him. That, that we all view him as somebody who thinks he buys influence and positions, but to hear him actually kind of have that Freudian moment and slip up and yeah, say Yeah, he can't it, help himself. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, that's just who he is. My argument from the beginning with Bloomberg has been, you know, his his take is that, you know, oh, I can't be bought because I'm a billionaire and I'm not taking donations. The problem is not that he can't be bought. The problem is that he's the one doing the buying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And And so what you now find is people endorsing him 
basically even contradicting their own personal values and ethics to support him, be it local politicians in New York or Congress people around the country who stand against a lot of the things that he's done, but because he has funded them or programs that they care about, they've come out to endorse them nonetheless. And so um, I'm continuously disturbed by the role of his money in this election. And I think the struggle is, on an average day in this country, there's so much coming at us from the Trump administration, from billionaires like Mike Bloomberg and others, that it's hard to keep up with all the problems that are confronting us. And so on an average day, it's it's almost like a, a fire hose of problems coming at you. Yeah. And by the time the day is over, you can hardly remember the problems of that morning. And uh, Bloomberg's definitely a part of that, man. One of the things Bloomberg uh, bragged about, and to be fair, he has bragging rights, is how much money he spent on gun control advocacy organizations, uh, which he has, and those organizations have done good work at grassroots level. Um, For Bernie Sanders, your candidate, uh, gun control has been a bit of a problem as an issue that people used to attack him with. Um, Last night, we saw Joe Biden bring up the fact that Bernie Sanders voted five times against the Brady Bill in the 90s, which uh, you know mandated, I think, five-day uh, waiting periods on, on, on purchasing guns. Uh, Bernie voted against it five times. Uh, and while Bernie Sanders was keen to tell the crowd he has a D-minus rating from the NRA today, the reality is in 1990, in one of his races, the NRA did back Bernie Sanders against a Republican. How much going forward do you think gun control is going to be a problem for Bernie? I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. I, I think... There was a moment that I thought was, for me, one of the two or three most profound moments of the debate. It was, it, it only took five seconds, but while Bernie was being confronted about his voting record, his voting record from the year 2000 all the way now over the past 20 years uh, on gun control has been great. And so many, particularly young people from March for Our Lives and others have endorsed him. But he looks, he looks square in the camera and said, listen, we've all had bad votes and those votes of mine were bad votes. And it, it, you know, people just moved on. But for me, it was part of why I've chosen to support him. I don't like those votes either. And I've heard his argument that, hey, in part, it's because I, I represent a state that's particularly rural, where guns mean something differently in Vermont than they mean across the country. And that's been his defense of them in the past. But tonight, I thought he just said, Listen, those were actually bad votes. And that's part of what I love about him, that he's he's willing to a- admit a mistake, to talk about something that he regrets. And I think it's one of the things that makes him unique on that stage. While everybody else pretty much pretended as if they had never had a bad vote in their life, that they never actually supported the policies that they did support. When it came to those votes, he said, yep, those are bad votes. And I think it requires that level of honesty and decency uh, for him to be able to move forward with his record, like most gun control advocates uh, support him now and feel that he's really strong on that. I don't know if it's most gun control advocates. Obviously, some do and some don't. Yeah, that's fair, man. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've heard even over the past couple of weeks, as Bernie has been kind of put out there as a front runner, I've heard many prominent gun control advocates be asked if they feel good about where Bernie is on guns today. Yes, and universally, I've heard them give strong answers on where he is today. 
I think it's fair to critique his past votes, and I, I think it's no, it, it's a good point. Fair to critique everybody's it's, past it's votes. It's a good point. The issue is not did you have bad uh, votes or bad records, but do you own that or not? In a way that, for example, Joe Biden mm-hmm. doesn't own his Iraq War vote. He pretends it was something done reluctantly that he was tricked by George W. Bush that he turned against it once the war started. That's not owning your bad vote on Iraq. Uh, that's being dishonest with the electorate. It's the same thing with Mike Bloomberg on Stop and Frisk. Exactly. Where he says, "Hey, it kind of it kind of devolved into something bad." It's like, no, you oversaw stop and frisk and doubled and tripled down every chance you got. Don't just say it kind of took on a bad life of its own. You did that. Yeah, I'm, and, I mean, and, back and during so, the back during the 2014 Gaza bombing, if I remember correctly, Bernie was getting booed in town halls because he was, right. you know, repeating pro-Israel tropes mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, the need to defend themselves from Hamas. That's why they're bombing Gaza. He's moved on from that, to be fair to Bernie. Last night, he's calling Benjamin Netanyahu a racist and going out of his way to defend the rights of Palestinians. So, you know, evolution is a good thing as long as you own your uh, old bad views. Before we run out of time, Sean, one of the big concerns that Democratic voters tell pollsters they do have is about the age of a candidate. It does come up in polls that they're not comfortable with an older candidate. Bernie Sanders is 78. He'll be 79 if he wins the presidency. He'll be the oldest person to ever ascend to the office of uh, president of the United States. How worried are you about the age factor? I mean, he talked tonight about the importance of energizing people and bringing energy to the campaign. You know, he's an old dude who had a heart attack, who's getting attacked over medical records, who came on this show and wouldn't guarantee to me that he will run two terms. Uh, How worried are you about the age angle? I'm not worried about it, but I do understand people saying, Hey, is it an issue? Like, we're we're running a campaign for president of the United States, and so people have every right to kind of put each candidate, including Bernie, kind of through the grinder and say, like, hey, is is he healthy? Is he fit? Is he prepared to do this? And all I can like, I've never been paid by this campaign. I'm I'm a complete volunteer supporter. All I can say is, from all of my history with Bernie, he has like boundless energy and i think it's it kind of shows in the movement that he's built the schedule that he keeps the events that he leads you know it's fair for people to ask questions about his health i felt good actually about the medical records that he released i thought they were thorough enough for me for many doctors who i've seen come out and say these records were thorough but i don't have a problem with people having questions about it like i the the role is so important that for me, I have to balance out probably 25 different things of course, that yeah. matter to me about each candidate. And so I think for people, it's it's fair. Like if if that's the main thing that concerns you, well, then that should impact your vote. Yeah. For me, I think he's healthy. I think he. I think his mental fitness is there. I don't think you've ever heard anybody question his his intellectual acuity, his ability to think through the issues. Uh, but as far as people saying like, hey, uh, it is age a factor, I don't have a problem with people having that question. I, I guess did, on I the think, health front, he didn't help yeah. himself with the whole full disclosure, which means different things to different people. A lot of people don't think what he's released is full disclosure. But before we run out of time, I just want to throw forward the South Carolina primary is coming up. That's yeah. why the debate was in South Carolina last night. If Joe Biden wins South Carolina and he pledged on the debate stage last night, he will win South Carolina. Is he back in the race? I think so. Yeah, I think South Carolina is a huge deal for Joe Biden. I mean, I think he he absolutely has to win. Like, you know, if he loses South Carolina, I really don't see a path forward for him. I think 
if Bernie wins South Carolina, I think it's a huge upset. Oh yeah. Uh, I've been, yeah, I've been there to campaign. His team is working around the clock there on the ground. When Bernie started in South Carolina, he was down almost 25 points. And now in many polls is within the margin of error. I think Bernie has kind of a a puncher's chance of winning in South Carolina. I think it's going to be, it's going to be hard. We're going to fight for every last vote. Biden is the is the favorite there. He's kind of put all of his eggs in the South Carolina basket, and uh, if he wins, I think it'll it'll be close. But he has to win there, and if he does win, yeah, I think he he lives to fight another day. He'll get he a massive in, he'll get a massive second. media boost as well because as we discussed earlier, oh, he's sure. graded on a curve. Him winning one will be the equivalent of Bernie winning two or three. But let me just ask you this final question. Can this party, especially the elites in this party, especially the democratic establishment that Bernie himself attacked on Twitter the other day, can it really get behind Sanders if he is the undeniable undisputed nominee of the party because no matter how good or popular a candidate Bernie Sanders may be no matter how good you may think he is he simply cannot defeat Donald Trump in November if he does not have a united party behind him oh I think he can yeah I I think I think Nevada you think he can win even with a divided Democratic Party well I think the I think the primaries are always divisive in some kinds of ways like you know, I, I've been voting in American presidential elections since the year 2000, and sometimes the candidates I've supported have won, and sometimes they've lost. They've always been amazingly contentious, and we forget how ugly 2008 was really against between Hillary Clinton yes. and Barack Obama and even Joe Biden when he was in the race. Like, those campaigns, uh, the Clinton and Obama campaigns, were at each other's throat. They were They were super dirty, and the same questions were being asked, like, can these two groups ever get together? I, I've seen over the past week several United States senators who are moderate to conservative Democrats come out and say that they felt good about Bernie, that they would support Bernie if he won the nomination. Like, I think people will come around, and, and I think it's a huge part of the responsibility that is on Bernie, is on this campaign to uh, to win people over. And so we're not there yet. Like, I think... It's, it's going to continue to be contentious for the next couple of months. My best guess is that this is probably going to go deep into to May or June. And uh, there's a lot of work to do between now and then. But it's going to be on Bernie. And then if Bernie wins the nomination, uh, a lot of people are going to have to put ego aside in the way that he did for Hillary Clinton. Ultimately, Bernie campaigned all over the country, uh, sometimes doing even more events for Hillary Clinton than Hillary was doing for herself. And uh, if if he can do that for Hillary, my hope is that people would end up doing that for Bernie. And I think they will. Sean, we'll have to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining me on Deconstructed. Yeah, thank you, man. Good to talk to you always. That was Sean King who, remember, is a surrogate for the Bernie Sanders 2020 presidential campaign. On this show on Deconstructed, we've had everyone from Tom Steyer to Pete Buttigieg, from Beto O'Rourke to Julian Castro on the show. And we'll continue pushing for guests from across the spectrum and from the various different campaigns as we approach Election Day later this year. But that's our show. 
Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. And I'm Mehdi Hassan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mehdi R. Hassan. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. Go to theintercept.com forward slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice, iPhone, Android, whatever. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps new people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you next week after Super Tuesday. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.